you're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. Belonging is knowing that you are part of the world around you. It's about fitting in, finding your place and feeling like you belong with the people around you. But some may have difficulties in identifying a sense of belonging to a certain place or with certain groups of people, especially after international experiences or careers that may have shaped the way one thinks, behaves or addresses any challenges they are faced with. Joining us today is Aya, an MFIN 2023 current participant and the Associate Investment Officer at International Finance Corporation. She's involved in executing new investments and the portfolio management of existing investments in Africa after spending two and a half years in the Middle East. This experience, I think, made me believe that I am capable of taking myself to wherever I want in the, in the world and I will be able to find something um, that is interesting and that I could be passionate about professionally speaking. Uh, so, so that confirmation that I can give myself right now, I feel is the strong, is, is the biggest gift to myself. We also spoke to Stephanie, EMC 2017 alumna, who is the founder of The Inspiration Lab, a consultancy working for global companies to strengthen diversity, inclusion and leadership at work. So that's where um, I think that this idea of belonging uh, is, is, is. It's this idea of being in a, in, a, in a group of people, in a community where you can be yourself and you can more or less understand uh, in between the lines. So let's discuss the importance, or lack thereof perhaps, of having to find your place and assuming an identity and belonging. You are listening to a podcast from INSEAD, the business school for the world. So hi, everyone. Um, Maybe we can start off with a couple of very easy questions. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, where you come from, your career path, uh, personal life. Tell me everything about yourself. Um, Why don't we start with Stephanie? Okay, thank you. So hi, everyone. I'm very happy to be with you today. So I'm Stephanie. Um, In fact, this year, uh, this 2022 year is a very uh, special one for me because I'm going to turn 60 at the end of the year. So it's already a long time. in fact, uh, I have been, uh, so I'm a mother of three. I have uh, uh, three beautiful daughters, two grandchildren. So that's the very important personal part of my life. I'm married with, uh, with an artist and, uh, and I'm still working, in fact, because uh, life is long. Huh? We have time to, uh, to do a lot of things and discover. So I started my career as a mathematician in a research company and then I moved to L'Oréal and that was a very... Um, important point for me uh, in my career because I stayed in the company for 25 years, uh, moving from research, uh, marketing research to marketing, sales, and then I managed a few uh, business units uh, in Europe and in Asia. 
And at uh, a little bit more than 50, I decided to change career and to change life, professional life. And in fact, that's the moment when I decided to, uh, to, go, to, uh, to go back uh, to school. And I chose, uh, among others, I chose uh, INSEAD. So that was a life-changing experience for me. And then I became an, an entrepreneur. And I now run a, a small consulting company called The Inspiration Lab. And we are doing uh, HR research, uh, so qualitative research for HR to answer to HR questions, uh, coaching and training. So that's about it. And I'm very happy to be here with you today. Thank you. Wow, that's a lot of different things that you've done and a lot of career change, a lot of personal change. I can't even imagine. Um, Aya, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Aya. Japanese citizen, but uh, when I was 13, I found out that I have a Korean grandfather. And my mother didn't tell me that until I was old enough to understand the context of being Korean in Japan. Uh, we can talk about that later if it um, interests you. So, yeah, and I was, when I was nine, um, my father uh, got an assignment in the UK. So we moved as a, as a whole family to this uh, northern town in um, in northeastern England called Newcastle. Uh, they have this like very strong accent, and you know I didn't know a word of English, so I naturally um, learned English uh, on the ground from zero. And apparently, I used to speak this Geordie, uh, which is a really strong northern England accent that they have, but I've obviously completely lost it. <laughs> and then. Um, Moved back to, to Japan when I was about 13 years old. Wanted to become a diplomat for the longest time. Studied international relations um, in Kyoto, which is where I'm from. Also did an exchange at Sciences Po Paris. And then um, did my master's in African politics at uh, SOAS, University of London. Didn't get my uh, position that I wanted with the Ministry of um, Foreign Affairs in Japan. So I decided, you know what, I need to pay off my student debt. So I just, uh, I was looking for a job. And then the first job I came across was in management consulting in Tokyo. Didn't know anything about business. I've never read financial statements, nothing. Um, but so I uh, took a leap of uh, faith and I joined the industry. Very stimulating. I think I learned most of my core like skill sets, my technical skill sets there. Then I got fascinated by the idea of impact investment. So I decided I need to shift the industry to, to finance because I've never studied or, or worked in finance. So um, moved to Deloitte uh, Financial Advisory. And then um, if you are in the industry of impact investment, um, you know, you start learning about the players and uh, who's big in the, in the field. So then I got fascinated by the idea of um, working in emerging market and impact investment, which is where ISC comes in, International Finance Corporation, my, my current employer. Um, decided to apply to this Japanese recruiting mission, um, got a job, and then they assigned me to this position in Jordan in Amman. So I back then, this was in uh, 2019, right before COVID. 
I thought, you know what, I, I don't know where Jordan is. <laughs> I don't know what kind of country it is, but I'm just going to give it a shot. So I moved from Tokyo to Amman and then the COVID happened. So I went through all of COVID by myself in Amman, then decided to do uh, INSEAD MFIN. That's why I'm here today with you. Uh, soon after MFIN, I, I um, got allocated another position in Senegal in Dakar, and that's where I am right now. Wow, that's very interesting, Aya. And just on a personal note, I also went to SOAS. Um, so yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So I mean, definitely, you know, we were we, we were discussing the other day about, um, you know, third culture kids. Um, so you're definitely one of those. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about um, third culture kids or that term? And what does that mean? Sure. Um I mean, third culture kid, I'm sure there's lots of like proper definitions out there, but uh, I mean, my understanding and, and how I feel about it is that, you know, you are born and raised or you, you are associated with a specific country or maybe countries in the case of, you know, uh, lot, lots of you who, who are able to have multiple nationalities. Um, as a Japanese citizen, I'm only allowed to have my own nationality, um, but then you you grow your senses, you grow your values, you experience different cultures, and you associate yourself with um, different values and cultures, uh, which is different from where you are associated with on the paper, right? And then you start to engage and connect with people at a layer which is... I'm, I'm not sure if it's like a layer above my my nation or nationality, but it's it's a different layer that you start to communicate to people with people who's been through different experience. Right? You you start to speak the same language, and I'm not talking about the the language itself. I'm talking about the the comments you make or or things that you feel close to that you can only feel close to when you've lived that kind of culture like when you've uh thrown yourself into the sea of multiculturalism yeah yeah i, I can see you nodding stephanie what do you what do you have to say about all of this but in fact this resonates with me because when when um i'm french you can hear it right it's, it's very uh, easy to hear but at the same time i've been living in, uh, in different countries and when you have this experience you never go back to being only French, I mean. Uh, and so I, I can understand, I can relate to your experience. I, yeah, even if my, my parents are both, both French, so I'm re really, I was raised in a French culture. But at the same time, uh, I'm carrying with me uh, a little bit of Japan culture, for instance, because I've been living in Japan for four years. Um, I'm carrying with me all these different international experiences. and. When I talk with people uh, who had who have had this international experience, we have a different conversation. So that's why I was nodding. I think uh, I, we really have this conversation at a level of people that are looking maybe from uh, a different perspective at their own country and uh, and different culture, and that understand from within in the in the in the muscles the fact that our official uh, number one culture is not the only prism, in, is, is not the only perspective. Uh, 
that there are other perspectives that are as valid as ours. So that's that's what that's what I don't know how you react to that, Anna. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Stephanie, I completely hear you. I often feel like the biggest difference um, when you're communicating with people who's from your country or who who's um, only lived in their countries all their lives, as opposed to, well, the third culture kids or people like you. The biggest difference is um, you don't assume that you have the same understanding of different words, different terms, how the society is structured, how people connected, uh, what people value. You, you always start by defining um, what certain word mean to you. And, and that process for me is, I mean, I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's like a, 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 an important part towards peace, towards understanding each other and relating yourself to somebody who's completely, who's from a complete different place across the world. So that's really interesting, um, Aya and Stephanie. I mean, and it, it actually brings me nicely to, you know, one of the topics that I wanted to discuss today um, on, on this uh, session. It's the concept of belonging. So we know that the concept of belonging generally means the, the sense of wanting to fit in with a group of people or a community to be able to fit in and, and be part of, of this community, to be able to contribute and, and get uh, information and, and get positive things out of this community. As international career women, as, as, as women who have international lives, how do you, how do you manage this uh, sense of belonging, um, especially, you know, living abroad, or having traveled abroad so much, or and also, you know, being very different from the people that are around you. Um, you know, Stephanie, you mentioned, um, you know, arriving in, in, in the UK and having and not having this Geordie accent, and then all of a sudden you have this Geordie accent. And, you know, did you assimilate? You, you know, you, you seem to assimilate with all of that. And then, um, Stephanie, um, you 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 discovered the world even though you come from a very french background um how do you feel about that i was very surprised that i ca i cannot answer to this question where do i belong i've been wondering for the last two weeks since you 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 told us uh, chloe about this topic because i don't know where i'm belonging and uh, and I, I, I belong to, to, to different communities, so for sure I'm French, and I, can, I understand the French culture is in my bones. Uh, I understand very well, but I'm not fully French now, I think. And what comes to my mind now is that, for instance, I belong to INSEAD community. Because when I meet people from INSEAD, having been spent two years in this uh, in this uh, process of studying and meeting people, etc., I think that we have a very easy conversation. We can relate to each other wherever we come from. So that's one community where I feel uh, I belong. I can I, I can identify another one. I belong to ex L'Oréal people, for instance, because staying 25 years in this company that has a very very strong culture. Uh, company culture. When I meet people that have been uh, working in this company, very often in, in, we understand each other. We can understand the, 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 we don't need to explain everything. 
So that's where I think that this idea of belonging uh, is, 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 it's this idea of being in a, in a, in a group of people in a community where you can be yourself and you can more or less understand uh, in between the lines. So maybe I overestimate this topic of the reading under the lines or in between the lines because it's French culture is very much into not saying everything and letting others discover. Uh, so that's, and I think that uh, in Japan as well, it's just that what's in between the lines is not the same thing. So I'm very comfortable in, and I belong to communities where I can read in between the lines, I think. Belonging is the most important factor in, in life. I've come to come to notice that, especially during COVID. As I explained earlier, I had to basically survive uh, the lockdown in Amman. Uh, it's, uh, it's obviously, Jordan is an, obviously an Arabic speaking country and I do not speak Arabic. I studied it a little bit at the beginning of my um, assignment. So I can kind of read and write a little bit, but obviously it's not to the extent where I can understand the local television and uh, the regulation keeps changing. So you don't know if tomorrow uh, there's going to be a, a full day lockdown or, or am I allowed to leave the house to, to go grocery shopping, which is the slot that's allocated for me tomorrow. Like there was a lot of uncertainties and I felt very lonely and scared, of course, wasn't sure where this was going. And then I had a pure pleasure of meeting this one or two individuals in Amman, expats, that basically became my family. And I, um, I've never had that kind of friendship ever in my life where I will commit my time and commit my energy in the, to connect to these people to, to that extent at that intensity, you know, we would, it's a lockdown day, so there's nothing else we can do. So we'll go to each other's house and talk for hours and hours and cook together and share moments, share music, watch movies. And, um, that accumulated experience over the several across, across several months really helped me uh, emotionally and also mentally and physically as well to, to get through the COVID lockdown. So I, I do not think I would have survived my days in them without that group of people, without that friendship. I don't know if I can call it friendship. It's, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a mixture of family. It's a kinship. It's a friendship. Um, obviously we talked about these people who's connected at the, the layer above, above your, your citizenship or your nationality. So it's a, it's a lot of things put together, but it's a, it's a very special belonging that I managed to create for my own self. So to, to answer your question, I feel like it, yes, belonging is very important. It's what constitutes the stability of my life. And also it's something that you can create, you can define, you can go and explore. Stephanie mentioned that she feels close to INSEAD, to L'Oréal, to different communities. I, I do believe that we, in the, as individuals, can connect to different communities, different group of people simultaneously. We can feel 
we can feel like we belong to different groups of people all at the same time. Definitely. And I completely agree with you, um, you know, as as uh, expats in general, I think when they go to a, a new a new country or they move on to a new assignment, um, it, it's always an issue of um, trying to to belong to the community and, and fit in as well, but then also find other people to become friends with and to, to sort of create your own little circle and your own little community and, or, and, and sort of say, hey, I need some help. Maybe you can help me. Um, it's really important. And um, so I think, I think that's really interesting. You, as, as an expat, you tend to find you, you, the friends that you make rather become your family. Um, and I completely, completely um, empathize with that having you know, lived abroad and lived in different countries all, all my life personally. Um, so, yeah, so that was very interesting. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, maybe let's just move on to a couple of other questions. Um, and um, maybe, maybe actually for the listeners, it might be interesting to know if you have any tips, tips to sort of assimilate, tips to, tips to belong. Um, what do you have to say? Maybe we can start with Stephanie. I think so. I think that uh, we can go from a low sense of belonging to a higher sense of belonging. And uh, I want to share one tip for, for expats. When I moved to Japan, I mean, French and Japanese culture are very, very different. At the same time, they are, they, they, we manage together to, to share some very important points, uh, like uh, loving uh, eating, for instance, and the love of food, for instance, or the love of nature. But at the same time, um, it's, it's very difficult to understand anything when you're French and you are not accustomed to this culture. You arrive, you don't know what to buy in the supermarket. You don't know how to behave with people. Uh, and and my my tip there was uh, after a few uh, a few months I decided that I was and I made a conscious decision that my country was Japan, meaning that when I was coming to France for one week to work or to see my family etc. When I was taking the plane back from Paris to Tokyo, I was going home, and that that changed my experience. So that's one. The second one is learn the language. I mean, I don't speak Japanese. I would not be able to have a, to have a, a fluid discussion with you, Ayasan, unfortunately. But learning the language helps understand how the other thinks, helps you understand how the other think and how they build their ideas. And this brings uh, a better understanding of the other perspective. And my third one would be never assume that people see the world as you see it yourself. That's really interesting, <laughs> and I really, I really like um, the point that you that you made about, um, you know, that question: where is home? That's also an existential question. Maybe we, maybe we'll have time later to get to that. <laughs> I'll let Aya respond. Yes, Stephanie, I resonate one hundred percent with everything everything you said. Um, maybe if there's some other tips I could add, it would be to talk about private things. Private things, as in your family, uh, what you like to do, um, what uh, makes you happy. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all have families and partners and children and boyfriend, girlfriends, friends. So especially in professional settings um, in Middle East and to a certain extent here in West Africa as well, I have found that people appreciate you more and people 
want to connect to you at a different level, once you start showing them that you are interested in them as humans, not as not only as a business partner, and um, you you literally like you know sip tea and and talk about your families um, for like 10, 15 minutes at the beginning of the meeting, and then only after you can start talking about business. Which is not exactly the way it goes in Japan, for example, in Tokyo. We have this, if, if you work in the financial industry or management consulting industry in Tokyo, it's, it's quite um, maybe a bit cold or crisp, if you, if you like. Um, we rarely talk about private personal things, uh, which is not the case, definitely outside of Tokyo. Mm. So having to um, change behaviors and sort of, change your natural ways sometimes is part of trying to assimilate it seems that was that's really interesting thank you Aya for sharing as part of a new initiative we are giving our loyal listeners the opportunity to access some bonus content as we ask INSEAD alumni and staff to share some insider tips if you want to access these tips head over to www.inse dot ad forward slash itk three zero okay i'm gonna switch it up a little bit um what have you changed your mind about in the last couple of years although i've lived abroad uh for for studies mainly for for studying purpose and to you know tag along with my with my family when my father had a had an assignment in the UK. Um, other than that, um, I've never really properly worked outside. So for the longest time, I had this concern, you know, would I ever be able to, to thrive in an international setting outside of my own country? I do speak the language. I do speak French. And right now I, I'm forcing myself to, to work in French, <laughs> given it's a Francophone country. Despite all these language skills that I have, I've always been worried that maybe I might not be valuable outside of my own market. And then I took this big step in my life to move to Amman, and now I'm in Dakar with IFC. This experience, I think, made me believe that I am capable of taking myself to wherever I want in the, in the world, and I will be able to find something that is interesting and that I could be passionate about, professionally speaking. Uh, so, so that confirmation that I can give myself right now, I feel, is the strong, is is the biggest gift to myself. That's definitely a confidence booster. I'm I'm very sure, um, and um, you know, hopefully, INSEAD is also helping you through all of that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that you, you might be meeting a lot of people also in, you know, very similar situations as you on the program. Um, so that that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Aya. Stephanie? So I think that uh, there's no age to, uh, to start something new. And um, I, I think when I, when I started my career, I was very young. I started to work at 22. And uh, I didn't experience much before. Never imagined that I would do such a career. 
and never imagined that I would work in many different countries. And uh, uh, But then when I decided to go back to school, that was a life-changing experience. It's a transformative experience. And there's no, no age for that. And uh, in my cohort in, uh, in, uh, in SEAD, uh, we were from maybe 30 to uh, 62 or something like that. And all of us, you know, learning together and exploring together. And uh, that, was a, that was a great experience. And I think that uh, w- what I want to say at a deeper level is that we can challenge ourselves. We can, I mean, we do not reach uh, um, the highest, the tipping point of our possibilities. We can go further. That's the strong belief I have uh, acquired in the last few years. That if we if we challenge ourselves in a in a respectful manner as well, uh, respecting our boundaries and respecting our needs and our uh, wishes, but. If we give it a try, we can do it. So I think we are quite aligned with Ayasan no? that uh, we believe that if we explore something, we can we can do it. No, there's no limit, in fact. Yeah, there's limitless possibilities, limitless potential. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so I'm going to ask you one final question. And this question, um, I mean, personally, when it's asked to me, it sort of provokes a lot of mixed feelings. Um, and I guess this goes back as well to, you know, third culture kid syndrome. Um, <laughs> where do you come from? What comes to my mind is very simple. And I think I say always the same thing. I'm from a very French and traditional Christian family, Catholic family. And I was raised as such. And I proved to myself and to my family that everything is possible. Uh, and that change is possible and that we can open the doors and we can, you know, let the, the, the fresh air come in and, uh, and we can discover the world still. But I'm definitely very French. And that's what people say about me. My husband, who is an Israeli, he says that when people look at me, they know I'm French. You can imagine. I actually, in, in a friendly setting, I ask them, uh, where do you think I'm from? It's interesting. People people never assume that I'm from Japan, probably because of my accent when I speak English and the way I carry myself. Obviously, when I'm back in my own country, when I'm speaking with Japanese people, I I don't have all these hand gestures, and I I think my face looks different as well. Like you you know very well, Stephanie, that we we speak like at this monotone and we don't really move our face. But like when you're speaking in a different language, your tone changes and your visual expression changes. It's interesting. But anyways, um, I tell them that I am from Japan, but I'm still exploring the world and trying to figure out where I sink the most. But I am slowly coming to an understanding that probably it's not a place. It's not one specific location where I would feel in sync. It's the people that I surround myself with. And when I can finally find that, then that would be my home. But at the same time, uh, I have so many good friends who who just live all over the world. Um, I feel like I already am in in a home in a way. Like this world is my home. That's the only only way I can kind of convince myself that it's okay. I belong somewhere. This is my home. 
That's really interesting. Thank you so much. Um, I think both of your responses have been really excellent. And I thank you so much for uh, sharing your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of In The Know. If you want to know more about today's career development and leadership topics, head online to www.inthenow.insead.edu forward slash podcast. To discover more about any of INSEAD's degree programs, head to www.insead.edu.